Hi everybody, I'm Brent Stafford and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. We're coming to you today live or if you're watching this on tape because this is a total shit show uh, going on today here. But we've got uh, Sherwin Mena and Tristan Thompson joining us and here's Tristan. How's it going Tristan? Good Brent, how you been brother? Not good too, to see you. Not too bad, good to see you too. And we have Sherwin here. How's it going Sherwin? doing well my friend how are you not too bad and this is our little bit of a mic check so we got the boys here this is a really important for us to try to get a two-person interview and my gear in the studio can't do it and so we're trying to get the gear here in our home studio to work um, and we'll be fixing it as we go we're talking today about a rally that's coming up in Washington DC and I believe it's next Saturday is that correct boys yes sir and uh, this is another Save the Vapor rally. It's the second one now in less than a year. And vapors are set to descend on Washington, D.C. to call on President Trump to intervene and try to stop the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's industry killing PMTA, uh, the pre-market tobacco application process. The rally is scheduled for September 5th. It's just four days before the PMTA deadline. And organizers hope a strong showing by advocates and grassroots vapors will pressure politicians to do the right thing and support flavored vaping products as a tool for harm reduction. So, Tristan, let's start with you first. You know, there was there was the big one that was happened last November, which really made a difference. And now there's this one four days before. What's the expectations on your guys' side in terms of the people that are going to come out and, and what's going to be the effect? Well, you know, it's 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 tough right now with as far as turnout because of you know you know with all the covid concerns to call it but i, I think we're going to be okay because you know the people that missed out last time are going to show up this time and you know there's the restrictions as you've seen are kind of getting lighter as far as you know the more populated states are concerned like new york and new jersey have taken dc off the list so i i think the turnout's going to be pretty good as uh, as far as the effect goes i think it's going to be highly effective highly effective because we are entering a you know we're not entering where we're in an extremely toxic political environment where every vote counts so you know when a bunch of voters show up on your doorstep that are really pissed off that you know what saved their life is going to be going away during your watch mm, kind of changes things a little bit you know just like last time think about it you know we were pretty much looking death in the face he flew over us it was like who are those people and the advocates had a seat at the table that they didn't have before so hopefully you know, and I, and I believe it will, you know, lightning strikes twice in the same place. And Sherwin, from uh, from your position, I mean, are you anticipating there to be a lot of people? I mean, <clears throat> I'm not a very big fan on doing these types of projections uh, for a couple of reasons, but I do believe that we'll get a, a, a good reception, um, similar to what we had last year. Um, I think we're going to get a mix of the same people that came plus new people that really wanted to be part of that experience from last year. Um, so I, I do believe that I, I do believe that we'll uh, we'll do we'll do well. I mean, remember this is you know this is about a political perception. It's not about how many people you have. It's about who screams the loudest. And we're there to be heard. We're there to scream. We're there to make our presence felt. And we're there to, to tell everyone in D.C. that we are probably the most underutilized political 
political party or po- political political sect that that has ever been have ever that has ever come across United States politics. I mean, the the U.S. vapor contingency, we have the ability and, and the numbers to swing elections in certain states on a national level. We believe that there's 13 million of us plus friends plus families. Many of us are single issue voters. And there are some states that elections were won by only 5,000 votes. And to go ahead and underestimate the this 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 group of voters, I think is a tragic mistake. But I do believe that this administration is is realizing it. Fair enough. And then, so let me ask you this question. Um, and see which one of you guys wants to answer it. So how close are we to losing the nicotine vaping industry in the United States? I mean, I'll take that. I mean, I, I'd say we're, we're pretty darn close. I mean, look at what's going on now with the businesses that are pretty much already folding out and just leaving. Look at uh, VapeWild, for example. You know, that's a massive name in the industry. Just shut their doors. So, you know, I would say, you know, that's a pretty big canary in the mind for what people are looking at and what they think is going to happen. I mean, that's just my perspective on it, because when you have a giant like that, you know, who's not only, you know, a major player in the game, but also a major, you know, a major co-packer, you know, they didn't just do themselves, they they made for other people. It's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. It doesn't bode well. And then we have what just happened in California, too, as well. I mean, that's disturbing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that's that's another thing. You know, it's just because we succeed here, it doesn't mean it's over. But if we lose on the federal level, we lose everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter what happens here or there; it's it's done. You know, there's there's no turning back. And look at what, you know, look at what history tells us. Once government gets control of something, it's a ridiculously, ridiculously long and hard and expensive uphill battle that never bodes well for anybody. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't do very well. I mean, look at the prohibition with alcohol, for example, and that let loose a whole lot of organized crime. I mean, you have the war on drugs that incarcerated a bunch of nonviolent people over silly things. And then you have, you know, basically what I think is coming, the war on firearms, too. I mean, look at what's happening with that. Laws passing that make no sense, regulations that make no sense, that actually do nothing. It's it, it's it's not good. So the one thing we don't want to have happen is have the government come in, step in, take control, and then us have to fight for the control back. It's, it's it's ludicrous, and I've I've said from day one, and I think Tristan kind of reiterated it. We really are the first line of defense for freedom of choice here in the United States. This industry, if this industry does fall, God knows what other industry will fall next. So it's only a matter of time that people wake up and understand that if you really want to protect something, you've got to stand up and you got to fight for it. And we've proven that we've had the ability to do so. We're attempting to go ahead and do it again today, uh, do it again uh, in, in five more days. So if you can come, come to the rally. If you can't, the best thing you can do is share uh, on social media and also tweet We Vape, We Vote and hashtag PMTA reform and get that trending. Because remember, it's not just the people that are going to be at that rally. It's mm. going to be all the people that are going to be viewing it, participating in it, and spreading the word. So if you think that you're not helping by not being at the rally, you're not. You're wrong. You can help us tremendously by trending this on Twitter. 
And let me ask you guys, uh, you know, what can attendees expect at the rally? So the speakers, you know, is there going to be networking, that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. We have a, a very nice lineup of speakers. And it's going to be, you know, pretty much the same thing that we did last time. You know, that's, you know, it, the, the core thing is the optics of it, that there is this really large voting block. So the more of us that turn out, the better it is. So personally, for me, it's not just, you know, what we can expect as far as what's the word I'm looking for here, not just turnout, but, you know, in, in networking and things like that. But also, you know, the way I look at it is it's like our last chance to all be together as a family. If you think about it, I mean, there's no more vape conventions, right? This is it. This is the place to be. I mean, that, that is very disheartening. But it's the truth. You know, I mean, I, I come with truth. I don't sugarcoat things. I find that to be something that, you know, doesn't really stress the importance of what's happening. You know, a lot of folks are trying to downplay it, that everything's going to be fine come, you know, September 9th. Uh, can you, but nobody can guarantee that. There's a lot of speculation on it, but nobody can guarantee it. We, you, know, you have no idea what the FDA is going to do. I mean, look at what, you know, their handling of COVID. You know, they have something to prove if you think about it. So could they come at us hard? It's possible. You don't know. You never know. And I'm not one to leave things to chance. I just, I don't believe in it. I think it's foolish. And that's something that I think the industry has done a lot of, in the, you know, since its inception is leave things to the last minute into chance and hope that it all works out. Mm. So let's, but it doesn't. But it doesn't know. It's, I mean, there's been all, yeah, a lot of finger crossing going on over the last five years that we've been covering this file. That's for certain. And yet, I mean, from our end, it's, just, I, I, it's astonishing that that the whole industry, or at least the vast majority of it, could get wiped out um, on September 9th. It's it's arbitrary and capricious. There's no doubt. This judge that you know ruled in the NGO case last summer. I mean, he, he clearly has it in for vaping, um, and totally bought into the teen vaping epidemic um, and everything that the that the body parts orgs were pushing. Um, let me, let's do, I want to make sure we get some of the details here. So for actually people who are going to this event, what can they expect? Like, where do you, where do you want them to meet? You know, what about signs? You know, where do they go to the bathroom? You know, all that kind of stuff. The, the big, the big details. All right. That's easy. So we're going to be on the Southwest quadrant of the ellipse. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of setup beforehand, but for everybody that's coming to the event as a consumer or business, you'll be there between the hours of 12 and four. Um, last time the restrooms were at the uh, white house visitor center that is currently closed. So NPS has us going to the restrooms at the Washington monument, which is just across constitution Avenue. Those of you that were there last time actually probably should know where they are. That's where they actually put us in the area of when Trump was taking off on Marine one. So it's not that far of a walk, but it, it is a teeny, teeny bit further. Mm. And don't go, don't go to the bathroom in the bushes. I hear yeah, no, that's a bad idea. That's, that's definitely frowned upon. I, I would, I would not, I would not recommend that. NPS is not playing games. Right, Sherwin. Let me ask <laughs> yeah. you, Sherwin. Go ahead. No, I was going to say we're going to have protest signs of mm -hmm. available for everyone that attends, and you can keep those signs as well. Take them with you. Um, so it's, you know, go ahead and, and we'll spread that around. Um, but we're doing a couple of, of things that are going to be just a little bit different in regards to how we've approached the rally. Um, last year, uh, we did not hire a PR firm. We hired a PR firm this year to go ahead and uh, and spread the word about uh, the rally this year. Additionally, we will also have 
um, two mobile advertising trailers that will be driving around D.C. saying we vape, we vote, um, compliments of uh, avail. Um, and so we're going to be having those around. Uh, the speakers, will the, the format will be very similar to the last one. It will be a little bit more relaxed because last year we were delayed <laughs> an hour because President Trump went to a football game. So... So I don't think he's going to be uh, leaving anytime soon. And if he does, guess what? He'll see us again, and we'll be blessed a second time. So either way, we, we that would be great. Either way, we are prepared. Um, so, uh, you know, every, everything is, is – uh, we do have a COVID response. Obviously, people are concerned about COVID. We have a uh, an EMT tent, which will have a sanitation station. We will also have 500 free KN95 masks to give away for those that have forgotten their masks or need them mask and additionally we will also be social distancing or asking groups to social distance throughout the entire event as we go up there and, and we're on the speaker system so uh, we also have an evacuation plan in in case there's incremental weather but I think the weather is going to be quite nice I think we're looking at a high of 80 degrees mm -hmm. so I think things are looking really good for the day of the rally so all in all you know aside from the additional um, hiccups that you know 2020 has thrown at us um, uh, we're prepared we uh, I think we're better planned uh, we have an excellent relationship with National Park Services and the Ellipse <clears throat> and for those that don't know the Ellipse is federal property so um, we're the, there's the White House there's the Ellipse there's the Washington Monument that means that that law enforcement is not Washington DC police but National Park Services and Secret Service so um, as far as our security is concerned, you know, talking about federal authority and they do not mess around. You go ahead and you do anything on, on federal property, you're looking at 25 years. So uh, I think do I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I got to say, see, this is this is why I love Sherwood, guys. Like, you know, I'm a pretty bright dude, but this man is like three quarters of my brain right here. I could not do this without him. It, it, it's impossible. Like that was all like right off the dome. He had all that. It's amazing. I, I, I don't know how he does it. That's excellent. I just don't know how he does. I got so much respect for you, brother. And, and all the all of the information for everybody to to know if you haven't gone there yet is unitedvaporsalliance.org and uh, to get the information if they don't already have it. Let yeah. me let me ask you guys. We see here this hashtag PMTA reform. You know what can you say to our viewers um, that you know may still not know what the heck this PMTA thing is? So you know what is the kind of reform you're you, you're asking for? Sure, when you well, actually have the best verbiage, go for it, brother. Yeah. So I want to start with a certain preface here, Brent, that this industry has always had deadlines. And we've always had a, a, a national flavor ban. We've always had extensions. We've always had something that for some, some reason has extended the life of this industry. So... Even though we have a date of September 9th looming, and which I will, will explain later, I do believe that that is not the end all for what's going to happen. Um, PMTA, pre-market tobacco applications, is something that the FDA is requiring that all manufacturers go ahead and submit. Um, it is very vigorous, very expensive testing of e-liquid liquid and also uh, e-liquid brands and also for hardware as well which small to medium-sized manufacturers really can't afford so 
For us, PMTA reform means a couple of things, but one of the main things that we really want to do, and our big ask here for UVA, is um, is is one allow the, the FDA to approve what's currently in their possession. So approve it, move forward, and ask for other stuff later. That way, those who have submitted P, uh, PMTA applications will still still have the ability to stay in business. Um, but the main thing that we're really asking kind of goes back even a couple of years before, and you may be aware of this, but the Supreme Court um, ruled recently about two, three months ago in regards to DACA. And you're, are you familiar with that, Brent? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So that particular ruling um, was uh, submitted as an executive order th through the Obama administration. Um, the Trump administration wanted to go ahead and contest it, went all the way to the Supreme Court. Um, Mr. President Obama at the time said, you know what, I really don't have the presidential authority to issue this executive order, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. So went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, well, I guess you have the authority, Mr. President, to go ahead and do it. We're going to let this ruling stand. So it didn't work out well for the Trump administration in regards to trying to overturn that DACA ruling, but what it did do, it'll allowed the Trump administration to go ahead and issue more executive orders. And right after this DACA ruling, you saw a slew of presidential executive orders being issued by this administration. And what we are asking is a very simple. After September 9th, because that is a court-ordered date, it cannot change. But any time after that date, the President of the United States can issue an executive order and say we were going to, we were going to take tobacco authority away from the FDA and either place it under HHS or place it in another agency in which small business has re representation in the decision-making process. That is our take. That is what is what, so that, that is what PMTA, PMTA reform means for, for the United Vapors Alliance. <clears throat> and right. we believe that it is something that can be done. Um, if you looked at the budget that was presented by the Trump administration, he wanted to go ahead and pull tobacco authority from the FDA and give it to HHS. So it's already being talked about. It's already was submitted in the budget that was proposed by the administration. So it's not something that is unheard of. But now, because of that DACA ruling, he now has the authority to be able to go ahead and do it. So let me. So we have an election coming up. You're right. We do. <laughs> you know, so we've got 13 million plus friends plus fans family vapors that are a little upset about what's going on. Their freedom of choice is going to be taken away from them. Their ability to have access to products are going to be taken away from them. And I and think it's Mr. really... Mr. President, we want to go ahead and, and hold you up to, to, your, to your word for less regulation and for standing up for small businesses, and now you have the opportunity to do so. You support us, we will support you coming this November election. I think you made a very good point, Sherwin, and it's worth, you know, doubling down on. Many of our viewers, you know, in comments on, on some of our coverage over the last, you know, several months have been making the point about, well, why hasn't Trump, you know, jumped in and done something? But there really is, it, it is that court ruling. As soon as uh, the court got involved and made that ruling, there's really, the administration can't get in there. So your point is that once the, that court date hits and then that deadline passes, 
then the politics can get involved. The administration could get involved and an executive order could happen. Yes, sir. That's a very good point. Let me throw this out at both of you guys because this is, uh, let me just get back here to um, my live switch. One sec, thank you. Let me throw this out at you because when we first um, started covering the Trump administration with regard to vaping back in late January and February 2017, you know, we had some coverage and I know that the, we, let's not get into the groups and stuff that were involved in everything else. Our point at RegWatch was that Trump had the power to come in and issue executive orders to solve the problem. And so did the industry miss an opportunity in those first couple of years of trying to you know, sway uh, President Trump or at least educate President Trump? Because clearly by the time the teen vaping epidemic hit, he was unaware of what vaping was and you know, very easily fell to, uh, to the smear campaign that was going on. So did the industry miss an opportunity in those first couple of years of President Trump? I would say yes and no. I mean, here's the thing. You know, if, if it was a level playing field, I would say yes, absolutely. But we both know it's not. We all know it's not, right? The NGOs have more money. They have more access. And, you know, the people that are backing them have a lot of political clout. So it's really hard to be, you know, hard on them in that particular, you know, hard on any advocacy org in that particular aspect because there is, it's not, a, it's not a level playing field. I mean, think about it. You know, they were screwed until that rally happened. There was no seat at the table. There was no nothing. And that's something that, you know, it went from we're doing a round table to no, you're beat almost overnight, you know. So I don't really blame them for that. Nobody, nobody should because, I mean, it's not like any one of us could step up at that moment and do it better. I mean, otherwise we would, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody that's criticizing everybody and their mother right now would definitely step up. They could do it better, but <laughs> it didn't happen. It, it, it didn't happen. So I, I, I really don't want to hear that. But at the same yeah. time, you know, yeah. I, I do have an expectation that, you know, attempts be made. And I believe that they were. So I would say yes and no. You know, it, it can only go as far as the money goes. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Sherwin. But, you know, when, when it comes to this kind of thing, you know, money talks and uh, bullshit walks. Yeah. And you're talking about 2017. The industry has matured much much more than we than I, I think a lot of people give it credit for. I mean, you're talking about three years, but we're such a young industry, you know, and we were just finally kind of getting it together, you know, and then we're, you know, our momentum has stopped because we have this huge cliff in front of us. So I'm not going to go ahead and say it was a missed opportunity. I think everything does happen for a reason. Um, it would have been nice for him to, to, to have uh, uh, heard, you know, our point of view. But let's be honest. I mean, people may say that this Savali thing was bad, which it was, and the PR was absolutely horrible. But if it weren't for these false accusations, I don't think we would have had the type of attention thrown at us as if it was just us or the industry talking to the president. So things happen for a reason. Chaos creates opportunities. And we've had chaos thrown at us. We took advantage of it. We got heard. And our narrative was the one that was supported. How crazy is that? Do you know how much money those orgs threw at us? 
through fake studies and and uh, press releases and uh, just to go ahead and throw flavored nicotine under the bus and make it seem as if that was causing all of these lung diseases when it was, you know, adulterated black market THC cartridges, you know, and we came up on top. So you got to give credit to the industry for doing the right thing, being at the right place at the right moment, having the right narrative. And I think the same opportunity holds true today because right now, I don't think we would be looked at twice if the election was not this close, if people were scrambling for votes and the future of this country were at stake. So even though we are small, we are very important. We will go out there on Saturday and be very vocal. And I think anyone who does that nowadays, you're going to get looked at. Certainly, certainly. Now, let me bring up uh, another development that happened just last week, and this was the Citizens' Petition for Extension of Pre-Market Tobacco Product Application. So this is the extension for the filing deadline. And uh, Azim Chowdhury and uh, you know Amanda Wheeler and a whole bunch of other people have been working on this. And I wanted to know what you guys think. This is a 180-day extension um, of the September 9th deadline. And the request is limited to certain small vapor product manufacturers to ensure that any extension only applies to businesses that have in good faith been working to complete PMTAs by the September 9th, 2020 cutoff and otherwise taken steps to ensure that their products will not contribute to underage use. So that petition is now out there. It's filed and actually the, you know, it's, it's, it's in, in the process of consultation even with the federal government. Um, so what do you guys think about that? Is this, is this something that you think that's got some legs? I mean, it, it, it's, it could, but you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because then wouldn't they get slaughtered by lawsuits from everybody else saying that they're being prejudiced against, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I, I get it. I, I see the, the, the argument for it, but at the same time, I also see it going, you know, not in the FDA's favor if that comes to pass. It's weird. It's one of those things that I, I'm I ain't touching it. <laughs> I'm not touching yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm all for any effort moving forward, trying trying to go ahead and help us. You know, you, you throw enough stuff at the wall, something's going to stick. <clears throat> and I would really, really, really like to see this stick. Mm-hmm. Do, me personally, my personal opinion, do I think it's going to stick? I don't think that, that's just me. Um, I don't think that court gives a a rat's ass about us. I think I think the narrative, based on his opinion, has already been decided. <clears throat> um, but I could, uh, you know what? I really, really hope that I am wrong. And when you were saying, uh, Tristan, that there there could be an issue, I think you said prejudice or something like that. Like you know, is that because it you know it seems it would be favoring you know the small vape over big vape? Is that the idea there? And that. Same period. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. You know, you had a, a vapor company, and I had a vapor company, and you were told that you get to exist, and I don't, just because you were involved in this. I would be absolutely furious, and I would not let that stand. I'd be livid. But at the same time, I understand it. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's, it's. I, I, I don't know, man. It, <laughs> that's. It's. It's one of those things that I, I'm grateful that I'm not in that situation personally. That's why I'm a consumer only. So let me ask you guys a question here, and it's a, and, and this is in the 
esoteric area I always like to go eventually in our interviews. But um, it seems to me that when, when the government comes to an industry for the first time, they're pretty much like the mafia. They're thugs. And they mm -hmm. hammer down and they hammer down and they hammer down <laughs> to bring the industry in and so they can then be the parasite that government is when they regulate their parasites. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. why have they not been parasitical when it comes to vaping? Instead, they were crushing, stomping, killing, instead of bleeding <laughs> and doing what they normally do. And that is, you know, bring the industry in and take their cut. But they're not doing that this time. Well, I think it's a twofold thing, personally. I mean, you got to look at it from, you know, the you know the hands that are out right now. They don't need to. They, they don't need us. They have the cigarette industry, you know, doing just fine. They have all those companies that they can just bilk for all those tax dollars. So they don't really need us. We're, we're in the way. They already had an established cash cow. The sooner we go away, the better off it is for them. And with that being said, you also have to look at, like I said, the, the hands that are out, too, because you have all those NGOs that are hammering them. You know, you have the conflicts of interest with the CDC Foundation and the CDC itself. You know, there's, there's a lot of things going on that, you know, don't bode well for us on the front of, you know, they, you, you need us. We, we can pay tax money and we can do this. And we can, they don't care. They care about one thing, guaranteed funds. Cigarettes are guaranteed funds. They don't care about public health. They care about one thing and one thing only, money and political power. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the biggest mistakes that this industry did, and I've always been very vocal about this, is that we did not allow ourselves to get taxed in the beginning. I always felt that this industry needed to be taxed. We needed to have that state, um, uh, that that state mouth on that financial teat, you know, so that they could go ahead and continue to to look at us as being a useful in industry. But many in our industry said, "Oh, we're less harmful than cigarettes. We should not be taxed." It doesn't work that way. That's the problem. This is politics. This is not about what you think is right. It's not about what you think is, is um, you know, is, is less harmful. This is about your ability to play in a field that is dominated by billions of dollars. And if you're an industry that has the ability to generate that, you're going to get it noticed. And if you are not, or you're an industry that is that is threatening that billion dollar industry, that's when you're going to get hammered. That's when you're going to they get destroyed. If we had the financial revenue of the states being relied on this industry and had our our state our state advocacy groups in there negotiating a fair state tax, I think you would have had a different scenario than what we have now. But that's here's that's you know shoulda woulda coulda stuff. Right. Everyone could be armchair quarterback. But I've always believed that this industry needed to be taxed fairly in order to go ahead and be in this pay-to-play market. So you're in early, the early days then, that would have been the conflict between, you know, damn it, we're, you know, we're saving lives, we're saving lives, and there's, you know, brook no compromise on that position and, you know, accepting tax or even thinking ahead and going, you know, boy, if we don't tax, if we don't give the government a taste now, you know, they're going to come for a whole limb or, an, or a leg or, or a lung or the heart, <laughs> which... Yeah. I mean, if I literally was in a new up-and-coming industry, I would that would be my first that would be my first major con, uh, 
suggestion to the industry is that they have to do that. Mm-hmm. They just have to. I mean, if you want it, if you want to play, especially you know, I have no problem with it as long as it's reasonable, right? You know, but if you can show that you can generate that kind of revenue, I mean, it and it needed to start needed to have started in California, it needed to have started in New York, and needed to start in those states that needed the revenue. If they had it taxed reasonably, you would have seen a different tune. So I um, just want to make sure our viewers know that uh, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, there our senior producer, Cindy Schmidt, is you know watching the questions and stuff. And the guys here are going to take some questions. We don't normally do that on RegWatch, but we are going to do that today. And as you can see, it's a bit loosey-goosey. So here from the bunker. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. we, we, do have, we do have a very kind of specific one. And, I, and I, you kind of already kind of talked about it, but... Let's just really get a, a, a clear answer, and I'll start with Tristan and get you both, you know, if there's a differing opinion on this. But mm. on September 10th in the United States of America, are we going to see retail shops closed? Yeah, it's funny because that, that's exactly what me and uh, Thobai were talking about in the chat. You know, it, I think it's really going to boil down to the average individual shop owner. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I'm of the, you know, make me variety because you know it, what how are they going to enforce it they, they barely have the manpower to keep k2 spice out of convenience stores for crying out loud you know something that they continuously ban but i mean you know it, things are pretty spicy in the convenience stores over here in new jersey so i mean how, how are they going to do it you know they're going to just try to go for the low-hanging fruit first and hope that they could scare everybody away i mean how, how would they do it you, you, they don't have the money. They don't have the manpower. They're struggling as it is to just deal with what's happening now. And you're going to dump an entire industry on top of that. It's not going to happen. I don't foresee them closing on September 9th. You know, and I know, I know some people are like, no, don't say that. You know, they, they very well could. You know, keep that. No, I'm, I don't. I do facts. I don't do fear. But the reality of the matter is this: whether they close on September 9th, or they close 30 days from now, or they shut down today. If we don't do something, either way, the inevitable is going to happen. We can't keep sticking our head in the sand and going, la, 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 it's not happening. It, it, it's happening. It's happening here in my own state. It's happening in Elliott's state. It's happening in California. It happened in uh, Massachusetts. It's happening all over. And, you know, the, the belief of, you know, if I just act like it's not a thing and hope that things are okay tomorrow has really what's doomed us as a whole. You know, that and I think the other thing is, is that, you know, consumers, guys, listen, you can't sit and wait for somebody else to fight this for you because, you know, hoping that stuff's going to be okay tomorrow does absolutely nothing for you. Hiding from the reality of we are under a very vicious and savage attack on all fronts does nothing for you. The only thing that does something for you is when you get up and vocalize and tell the government no. Mm-hmm. And when I say tell them no, say you said no, and you mean no. And if they try you, you will vote them out of office. You mean it. Is it reasonable to expect in, and I hate this word divisive, we're in a civil war almost. Mm. You know, I mean, it is a shooting war already in the United yeah. States of America. And it has been actually for some years. People forget um, before the last election, uh, there were many cops shot. Uh, there was 10 shot in just a short period of time back in 2015 and in 2016. So, I mean, the shooting war has been going on for some time and it's just, you know, gotten worse. So mm. with, with, with the polarization being what it is, can any of those progressive voters, you know, which are good people, right, that might have thought about holding their nose to vote for Trump because vaping was so important to them, could we even expect them to do that now 
because after obviously COVID and and mm-hmm. the protests and the riots. Well, I mean, it's it's really simple, and I I mean, Sherwin, you know, I'm real passionate about this this number, mm-hmm. four hundred and eighty eight thousand lives a year lost from smoking. That's almost half a million. Okay, where you say, it doesn't matter where you stand on this issue or that. This is the single greatest plague on us as a species. Single, most <clears throat> deadly, and I mean, if you look at how. If you've watched a smoker die, it's gruesome illness that plagues us as a society. And we're allowing the government to preserve it. So it doesn't really matter what your political beliefs on on anything else. If you are going to sit there and tell me that you are a good person because X, Y, Z, then you need to take a look at the larger picture here. This is half a million lives a year. The loss of those being preserved continuously forever by the government because they are addicted to those tax dollars generated by cigarettes. If you don't see that and go, we can deal with all this other stuff later. This has been going on for forever. And it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care. It kills on, on, it, it, half a million people a year. Period. It's hard to get your head around with, you know, we shut down the Western world for 170,000 dead on COVID in the U.S. Yeah. And 480,000 die every year. So, I mean, I get the frustration there. And you would think that public health, who was in charge of the COVID response, those, the same public health authorities seem to have turned a complete total, you know, blind eye, a cold shoulder to uh, the deaths with regard to smoking. And this is after three decades of hammering it home to us just how deadly smoking is. And the reason why is blatantly obvious. It's as the old adage goes, there is no money in the cure. The money is in the treatment. So to say that, you know, the regulators for health, they're out there looking out for our best interest, to me, is completely insane. Mm. They're, they're not. They're worrying about two things and two things only. Continuing the circle of logic that enables them to, you know, to take that money. And the second thing is, is to protect their own public image. Mm. In the first one, we'll override the second one as long as they can get away with it without too much of a threat. That's it. They don't care about nothing else. They don't care about my health, your health, the survival of us as a species. They don't care. They care about the money. And then while we're all dying, they'll run off to the bank with it and leave the country. They don't care. They care about themselves. Cold hearted. That's, uh, that's fair enough. Sherwin, let me bring this back to uh, the event. And it's a tough question. It's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. When um, Now, RegWatch is not going to be there. We'd love to be there. We just can't. We're up here in Canada. Everyone knows I just got married. You know, went through the whole quarantine issue. It's just, an, it's harder to get back into Canada as a Canadian <laughs> than it was for me to get down to the U.S. So it's just not at all practical. Plus, obviously, my new wife is coming up here, hopefully in the several weeks as we're going through all that. So it's, it's just, we can't do it. We really would like to be there. But that being said, and after I throw that out there and I clear my throat with that comment, when I first heard about this, I thought, Jesus, uh, you're going to have, you know, a couple thousand vapors there during COVID blowing plumes of COVID up into the air. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, any local writer at the media could, you know, easily start to have, you know, make hay with that. Look at the, they don't care. Look at the COVID all blowing up in the air. It's plumes of COVID. How do you guys deal with that? How have you been thinking about that issue? Yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a legitimate question. Uh, you know, regardless, I think the media is going to find a way to 
to bash us in some way, sense, or form, whether it's in a pandemic or whether it's a volley or whether it's some sort of study. So you're just so to think that we're not going to get get some form of criticism, I think, is is uh, is naive. Um, but one of the things that we are going to be requesting at the rally is that if you do vape, please be discreet and blow down. Don't blow up in the air. So we will be mentioning that throughout our uh, throughout our event um, in between speakers. But I mean, you do what you can, and uh, you know, uh, social distance within the groups, and try to put on a face of 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 uh, of, uh, of voters that care about the well-being of their future, are there to make change, and they will do as much as they possibly can to limit the exposure for the sake of, uh, of the general public. Um, you know, so we'll just do what we can to go ahead and make that type of an announcement during the event. You know? I mean, I mean, the same can be said for all the rallies that were there. Wasn't there a, uh, a recent pr- uh, march last weekend? Um, and they were there just jammed into uh, D.C. You know? So... This, this, you know, the narrative is always going to be taken out of context by those that want to take it out of context. We'll do what we can to limit it. We're not going to escape it. Um, but I don't think that's the message that you're going to get out of that rally. The message from that rally is going to be one that is more important than above than above something as as as, as that, and that is. We're th- 13 million vapors plus friends plus valid plus family members single issue voters and we vape and we vote that's the message anything other than that message is just going to get lost in my personal mm-hmm. opinion so Tristan uh, let me ask you this uh, with some of our questions that mm-hmm. we've got one of them is uh, is does the FDA have the manpower and I, and I know we've kind of touched this to enforce the regulations. And let, I'm just going to add this, is that on the local, in the local areas, right, I, I foresee that in at least some places you're going to have advocates. I mean, to, I'm talking the anti-vaping advocates. They mm-hmm. can mobilize and protest. You, know, you just take like 10, 15 people and with some signs saying, you know, you're killing kids and they're standing outside of, you know, a vape store or something like that. They'll have local media there in a heartbeat because local media just hates vaping for the most part oh for sure for sure you know but at the end of the day i mean it's going to boil down to do they exactly that do they have the manpower i'm going to say no i don't think they do the fda doesn't i don't even think the fda wants to deal with this right now they have their plate full with you know all the COVID stuff so i don't think that they do i think it's going to boil down to the individual shop owner the individual manufacturer of you know how and i don't i don't want to you know because like i said i don't want to put anybody down who's looking at their own financial future and going can't do it but at the same time you know it's going to be and like i said I, when i say this i'm not putting anybody down but how dedicated they are to the cause you know because i mean me personally if it was me i'd oh, come get me come come yeah. get me you know it's all going to boil it's, down it's, to the person. it's not gonna, yeah it's not going to stop september september 9th it's not going to stop everyone needs to be conducting business as usual keep buying from your wholesalers 
do not disrupt the flow of this economy that contributes to taxes on a state level. Every, the FDA, as Tristan has said, is not prepared in the least to enforce any of this. They are completely overwhelmed, not only in regards to COVID, but they are completely overwhelmed in the PMTA applications altogether. They're Systems have been crashing. They were expecting, what, 45 submissions, and they're probably going to get 25,000 or more, or 250,000. Sorry, um, 250,000. number was. I think Salter mentioned it. Are you talking uh, about but PMT? the point is, is that they're not prepared. Right. They don't, they, and they, they have no clue as to what's, what's coming up ahead. So do, do, shops are not going to close. They're not going to shut her down. Everything is going to be normal. Just wait it out. Let's see what happens. It's not. It's no one's going to be knocking at your door the next day telling you, "Hey, you can't sell that." You know why? Because the FDA doesn't even know what it is that they have to approve in order to say what you can or cannot sell. So let me it's just true. let me just say that there's a bit of a conflict in your messaging, and you know, with all due respect, right? Is that like on one hand? You're like, okay, everybody, don't do what the industry has always done and, and just cross their fingers and just blow through the deadline and just keep on going, which is the move from the one thing to the next to the next. But yet that still is the message that's mm-hmm. coming up here, right? So how do you, how do you square that? Well, because it's a big right. unknown. You know, we're, we're erring on the side of, you know, not trying to motivate people to make decisions based on fear. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you do that... You know, there are going to be people coming from places where they probably shouldn't because of travel restrictions. We're not trying to do that, you know. We're trying to go about this in a logical and reasonable way. At the end of the day, that is still the deadline. So if nothing's done, you know, the inevitable future that's going to come to pass isn't good. Because eventually they will have the money. They will have the manpower because they could turn around and say, yeah, we don't have this. You need to give us this money. We need to hire these people. We need to make this happen. And then, then what do you do? They're not going to make that kind of demand public. They'll make that quietly. And then the next thing you know, the FDA is at your door. So there's no way to, to say that. You know, I think what our, we're really trying to say is that idealistically, when the ninth comes to pass, nothing's going to happen. Is it possible that shit hits the fan, for back, lack of a better word? Yeah, it's absolutely possible. Is it likely? No. But why leave it to chance? Why leave something that is forever to chance? It doesn't make any sense, especially when there's that many lives at stake. It makes, it makes no sense to do that. I think everybody needs to understand that this is one of those situations that when if, you know, huge chunks of the industry get carved off, completely disrupted and fall by the wayside, it's going to be almost impossible to bring that those pieces back, at least anytime right. soon. That's really the issue. Exactly. Sherwin's message is a strong one that says, look, you know, if the wholesalers are still there and you're still there, keep buying, you know, keep keep buying product, keep stocking it, keep selling it. If you're if you're a consumer and this is the activist side here at Redwatch speaking, you know, if you're a consumer, you know, keep buying, you know, keep, you know, keep buying product and keep doing what you normally do. Um, and that way then people can still count on your business. They can still, you know, purchase, you know, per- bring in inventory based on, you know, your past sales and stuff like that. So, I mean, that, that all makes a lot of sense because we do know that once the supply chain gets interrupted, it's very difficult to bring that back. Yeah, it's not going to c- come back. So, you know, for the sake of the industry, everyone has to be, in my opinion, doing what they need to do as if it was the, the, a normal business day for the sake of the industry. You want to keep it strong? Because remember, we've got elections coming up. If you think something is going to be hammered down right now in any way, 
shape or form, you're crazy. No one, everyone is like in a hands-off position on everything, you know? The next day after the election, the whole, whole world can change. Mm -hmm. So this industry has always been based on getting time. Time is what we have needed. Time is our friend. Time is something that we've always fought for. We're fighting for more time. So continue to go ahead, fight by being at the rally, fight by going on social media, spreading the word, fight by continuing to go ahead and buy product. And what you're doing is fighting for time because that is what this industry needs. And if I may add, you know, one of the things that way that we've been characterizing um, what's happened to the vaping industry, certainly since E-Valley, was that they killed the virtues of vaping. You know, vaping has had these virtues. You know, virtue is a great word, right? Saves lives, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. There, there was plenty of virtues of vaping. All of that virtue was, you know, stomped on, you know, when it came to the teen epidemic and then E-Valley. And so I think for people to use that language, I... I, I I throw that out there and go, you know, when you're talking to people, talk to them about the virtues of vaping and actually use that, those, that phrase. There's virtue involved mm -hmm. with vaping. And I think there's virtue in the fight um, to save vaping too as well. And so a lot of people need to, you know, channel that inner virtue that, that is there when it comes to vaping. And as you're doing that, also, you know, head over to support.regulatorwatch.com. That is our support website where you guys can help us promote the fact-based fact science fact-based science, not just science. We say just support science. We sound like Biden and the rest of them that don't believe in science. We believe in science, but science based on fact, not evidence either, by the way. Facts. We counter misperceptions. We destigmatize nicotine. That is critical. More work needs to be done in that area. And then, of course, hold researchers, regulators, and reporters to account. It's very simple. It's easy. You can help us with our fall fight 2020. We'll be back out now that, well, actually, Tristan, maybe we'll go there in a sec. I got banned again from Facebook yesterday. I'm still up, but I but can't, ho can't, hope, can't upload videos, can't upload images, can't share anything, can't even host um, a live stream. This is being hosted off of Cindy's uh, Facebook account right now. If you can believe it, they dinged me uploading our wedding video. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. But I mean, I don't what know. What are you guys doing? Well, I mean, our, our wedding video is pretty political. There's no doubt. Like, I mean, we were in, uh, the wedding was in Wisconsin. Um, and, but I don't think it was that. I just think that with all the, the hassles that they've given us, there's a security flag on my account. And I might have just been uploading too many videos at once. I was mul doing multiple uploads. But either way, you know, so. I was about to say that now that the Facebook ban that they just got you know, lifted 10 days ago will allow us to go back out and do our fundraiser again because we launched a fundraiser right at the end of July and then it just had been dead. And then well, I was about to start that back up again and then here I am banned. So it could be, I don't know, another week or two or something like that. If you get a chance, go to support.regulatorwatch.com. We're still gonna be here too after September 9th. We've got a ton of coverage that we can and still need to do. I think everybody needs to know this about, about what we do is we provide a platform for the scientists and researchers that are on site vaping to then come out and talk. They can talk and to themselves and other researchers. It's, it's a huge aspect of what we do. So there, 
you know, if we're not able to, you know, bring that good word of that, the research out there, besides everything else that we do on the vaping file, that's a, that's a real loss for the, the public health people that are on side. So, and then in the new year too, in the fall too, we've got a ton of Canadian coverage. And let's just not forget, I mean, the U.S. is just going to be a shit show this fall. And we're going to cover it. Yeah. Okay, so... Listen, you brought up a really good point in regards to, you know, uh, uh, kind of calling out fake science. Um, even though this Avali, you know, uh, uh, situation occurred within our industry, I think the state of, of the environment in regards to trusting science is at such a low point right now that your recommendation of spreading the good intent of what vaping does is probably the most beneficial thing that you can do right now because right now no one really trusts what these studies are saying. They don't trust science. Science has taken a back seat to political rhetoric. It's really, it's, it's, it's become something that people look at and they go, I don't trust that. I don't know. You know what? But if you hear it from a trusted friend or someone who's experienced it and someone can explain to, 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 to an individual, you know, what vaping has done to them and how there's a lot of fallacies, mis- misconceptions, and just misdirection, that goes a long way than any study can or will do. So I, I think our current environment has provided us an opportunity to counter some of the stuff that has gone out there because the general public just doesn't tr- trust anything anymore. And let me just say that I completely agree with that. There's an opportunity for vapors to communicate with their family and friends on this issue in a way that they, they've never had before. Because so many people, regardless of what you think about COVID, I think there is a realization for many that there might not be the complete honesty when it comes to what public health has been saying, because certainly the message keeps changing. If they, I'm not being political here, if public health in 2020 was unable to inform the world about whether or not masks were effective against a respiratory virus and all that back and forth, how in the hell can they say anything about vaping? I mean, it's insane. I mean, it's unbelievable in its insanity that public health did not have a clear answer on masks, they still don't. So regardless of wherever your position is on COVID, that in and of itself, separated from the issue, looking at the fact that they don't have a clear answer at all, should say something about public health. Yeah, exactly. And the word of a trusted friend nowadays speaks more than a report or a press release from a, from a health agency, you know? So let's take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you guys, as we're getting close to our hour here, and we are trying to hit the hour. We'll probably go a little bit over, but either way, um, Janine uh, Timmons, uh, one of our great viewers and supporters at RugWatch, um, has posted a question. I don't understand the idea behind limiting smaller bottle sizes. It's like going to a pub and drinking your favorite beer in a shot glass. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan? Isn't that, isn't that, but that's a, that's a, that's a UK issue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's we a UK talking issue. about the TPD. They're talking said, about what the, the hell does limiting that bottle size actually accomplish? And it's like, going to a bar drinking your beer through a shot glass. So, yeah, it's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. That's a perfect analogy. But it's not a US I th- analogy. I think their logic over in, over in Europe was that if a child were to consume an entire bottle, you limit the size so that it wouldn't cause potential harm. 
mm. arm. I think that's the logic behind the size of the bottle, at least over there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, you get like what, what? What were they like? Like five mil bottles, and you get like a pack of six. You know? Yeah, I that's, think it's ten. That's, that's, I think it's the ten mils. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so in, I mean, in British Columbia right now, we still got that hanging over our head here in, in our province is the 10 mil. And it's looking like that's changing to 30 and uh, the Canadian Vaping Association is fighting to try to get that up to 60. But, you know, all of this st- is just so ridiculous, you know, just here, tax us and leave us alone is the, is the yeah, idea. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, don't tell us how to go ahead and parent. You know, you can't regulate stupid, and people are trying to regulate stupid. Oh, that's so funny. You, know? you can't regulate stupid. God only knows. You can try. You can try. <laughs> you just can't. Well, all right, then. Okay, so then let's end then on uh, last words then on uh, this coming up Saturday. We'll start with Tristan, then end with you, Sherwin. So, Tristan, what's, what's your message to everybody out there who may be coming and who can't make it, what, what they can do to help? And that's pretty much the question to both of you, starting with you, Tristan. So... But if you can't make it, the most important thing you can do is be prepared to to mobilize on the call to action that's going to launch the day of. Um, you know, it, it all depends on whether the White House phone lines are cooperating. Because I know we tried to do you know phone meltdown Monday, and it turns out that the phones were still closed. Um, so you know, there's a there's a there's a there's a few ways we can do it. And we're going to figure out exactly what that is. To, you know, in the moment of because they could probably you know flip the phones on and we're good to go. So the, the, you know, it, it's. It's gonna, there's going to be a CTA, and we're going to. You guys got to be ready to mobilize on that. And if you are planning to come to the ellipse, please, 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 please view the do's and don'ts section that we have up on the website. It is highly imperative that you do, because there is, you know, quite a few different things this time than last time. But I think that kind of actually goes without saying. I mean, we are in a different world than we were last time. So, yeah. well, we really look forward to seeing everybody there, and we hope that you know we have a really good turnout. Awesome, yeah. and Sherwin. It really boils down to this being probably one of the most important fights for the vaping industry. If you can make it to the rally, go ahead and make it. We would love to have you. If you can't, do what you can to go ahead and spread it on social media. But just understand that what we're talking about here is political perception and the ability to go ahead and influence an election. And we have that ability, and no matter how much money non-governmental organizations, health orgs, try to go ahead and throw money to go ahead and get rid of this industry, the one th- thing they do not have are voters. They do not have that. That is where our power lies. That is where we are going to do a, a take advantage of that and spread the word as if it were gospel all over the place. And that is the hashtag that we need to use come Saturday and everything that you do if you have a Twitter account is just do we vape we vote that's it that's the hashtag because the more that trends the more it will scare the hell out of Washington D.C. everyone here has the ability to go ahead and do that even sitting at home you don't know how important that is by going ahead and making a stand and making our voices heard even on social media it makes a world of difference and we have the power to be able to go ahead and defeat everything that has come our way because we have that ability and it's not money it's us well that's that's why we're doing this so so everyone please go ahead follow us make sure that you have the ability to either stream it or just do something but on that saturday hashtag we vape we vote 
Excellent. Well, you guys, good luck uh, this coming weekend. Wish we were there, but uh, of course, we'll, you know, we're promoting it and we fully support it. So good luck and God bless. Thanks, Brent. You Thank too. you.